Welcome to Headlines. This week, our guest will be Rav Shlomo Gadisman, the editor of Yeshurun, and the Rav of Shari Tfila in Passaic, New Jersey. And the topic will be a very contemporary, current topic because of Lagbaimer, Skulis, Kabbalah, Chayratel, Mekubalim, etc. How do we look at them as, you know, you know, B'nai Torah, Hasidim, Yeshivalite, etc. Um, are they for real? Should we be following them? In the following weeks, we will have some very interesting guests. We will have Rabbi Eitan Feiner of the White Shell. We will have Rabbi Yair Hoffman. He will be speaking about priorities in Sadaka. There are so many people knocking on the doors constantly. Well, who comes first? We will have the Dying of Baltimore, the Rub of the Star K, Rabbi Moshe Heinemann. He will be speaking about the kosher switch. Is it really kosher? A very controversial topic, and for that we got arguably arguably one of the you know biggest dayanim in America to discuss this. Um, you can listen to us on WMCA 570 or on WMCA.com <coughs> or at the Nachum Siegel Network at NachumSiegel.com or in Passaic or Edison on the Edison Network. So we're doing a little bit of a contest this week that we've never done before, sort of a lottery. Um, we're listened to online and on many different jurisdictions, and we're trying to figure out where is, you know, are more people listening to us online or are more people listening to us on the internet? So we will give, uh, we'll make a drawing this week, and whoever sends us an email to info, that's I-N-F-O, at headlinesbook.com. That's info at headlinesbook.com, and they say where they listen to us. Uh, which network is it online? Is it uh, is it which particular network that that, that we will do? And th- there will be three winners, and each one will win a hundred dollar gift certificate to their favorite local Svarim store. So all you have to do is send in an email to info info at headlinesbook.com and say I listen to you on wmca.com or wmca five seventy or Nachum Siegel Network or etc. One of the different networks that count that carries us, and you will be eligible for this drawing. So let's start with guest. Uh, welcome, Rabbi Gottesman. Talking about a fascinating topic, we've all had the occasion to be you know, visited by Mikubalim or being asked to donate for schoolists. Now it's around, you know, like Beimer, so we've had people ask us to donate for Chayratel or for Shaduchim. We're constantly bombarded, you know, with those of us who have children in Shaduchim or for Parnas, etc. And we've all wanted to know how real are they? Is it halacha? Is, there, is it based upon Chazal? Or where, where does it where does it come from? And Rabbi Gadisman is an expert in this, so it's really an honor to have him with us. Welcome, Rabbi Gadisman. So I'm all with him. So let's start with the beginning. Just a brief history. You know, when you learn Gemara, the word Kabbalah really doesn't seem to be there. Where does it start? And halachically, where does Kabbalah make its first entry into you know, our lives of Shemri Torah Mitzvahs. Okay, so the word Kabbalah is a broad generic term used differently by different people. In our current um, vernacular, it has come to mean Kabbalah Sarizal Mavlisis of Sefer Hazair. Sefer Hazair was Nizgala, as we all know, by Ramesha de Leon. 
in the late Rishonim period. Um, there, prior to that, there were schools of Kabbalah, such as Kabbalahs um, of the Ramban in Catalonia. There was Kabbalah of Rabbein Yehuda Chassid Bechugoy in Ashkenaz. But when the word Kabbalah is used currently, it has usually come to mean Kabbalahs as espoused by the Arizal, um, based on the Sefer Hazair. Sefer Hazair, um, obviously, it's a long, complicated discussion on the controversy concerning the Isgalus of the Sefer Hazair. But for B'nai Taira, Sefer Hazair has, has been codified in the Paiskim, was written by Rupshim Ben Yechai, and has a case which, as you mentioned, has become paramount um, in halacha yayim yayim, meaning that there are scores of places in Shulchan Arachayim where Kabbalah has implications, halacha lamaisa, on what we do on a daily basis. The Magna Rum quotes the Sefer Azair either directly or indirectly through the Shalach Kadesh and other Sifrei of the great Mekubalim scores of times, and um, as I said, this is Negea Lamaisa. So Kabbalah generally means for us, for us um, on an operating basis, the insertion of the Tzakim of the Sefer Hazar into um, Hawacha. It obviously means other things which we'll talk about, such as Kabbalah Masit, as it's called, which is a much more complex complicated and uh, issue fraught with perhaps danger, but let's start with your question, which is how does Kabbalah affect us? And the answer is there are numerous examples of Shulchan Aruch I can give you a few. I don't think we'll have time to go into any of them in detail. We're talking about Hanachas, how many brachas we're talking about in Yanam of Hanachas, talking about issues about Hilchais Tefillah. And again, if a person comes late to Tefillah, how he should engage in skipping or not. There are uh, quite a few important halachas, and this is just in the first Chalik of Erechaim, uh, first Mishabur Aleph, which are based on issues where there may be Machoikasin between the Zayar and the Talmud Bavli. There are rules as they are quality hapsak on almost everything, which is negated to Dalat Chalkesh which tell us how to deal with these things. Obviously, now, Rabbi, talk about Kabbalah Maset. I think that would interest more, uh, you know, the we're talking about more the sort of, quote-unquote, the mysterious, the, uh, the mysterious okay. of Kabbalah. Fair enough. Um, and then I certainly am not an expert on the um, mysteries of Kabbalah. There are people out there who legitimately are. They are not the problem. I assume, um, you know, uh, whoever they are, the world in general would be able to identify them. I think the problem um, are those people who hold themselves out to be and are treading into areas which are problematical. Now, we have to be very clear here um, I have no standing to discuss, obviously, um, anybody specific, um, and arguably I have no standing to discuss 
any specific type of hanhagais. What I'm telling you is what is the shita of many Gedel Yisrael Bismanenu, a leading exponent and a very articulate exponent of this is Rav Yaakov Hillel, I suggest you get him on your show, um, who legitimately is a vast erudite yadan in Kabbalah, has published numerous sarim, is a Talmud Chacham of world-class order, and he has taken it upon himself to write about this. Um, if I may be forgiven a little bit of a plug in the aforementioned dialogue issue four, Rabbi Hillel published a wide-ranging article which speaks to the problem of Kabbalah Ma'asit as it is practiced today by people who are not Ro'uyulatach. We're not talking about those few people who are. And the problem is, it's so facto. If you are holding yourself out to be an expert, and if you are advertising your expertise, let alone using it as a means to achieve economic gain, that cannot be the real um, way that Bali Kabbalah act. Because Bali Kabbalah, those few people in a generation, and the further we get away from the Rizal, can't imagine, like anything else, the less um, stature uh, we have in any field, certainly in this. So those handful of people in a duration who know what Kabbalah is all about, their raison d'etre would be not to advertise themselves, and not to take out um, you know, full-page color spreads in some of our wonderful leading publications telling about their trips to New York where they can do X, Y, Z. So listen to this question, uh, <coughs> Rabbi Gattisman. Interesting. I had an email, and I'm going to read an email from a girl. Her name is Rachi, and she's from Lakewood. She says, I'm an older single girl. I replied to an ad in the New York in the Jewish Press, a New York-based publication. I'm going to expose the Jewish Press from a Makobel from Eretz Yisrael. I went to him, and I expressed that I am single, I'm older, and he said I should marry the next boy I'm red, and that is my zivug from Sheshus Yemei Bereshus. <clears throat> What's the end of the story, Rabbi David? What do I do? Ah, there's no end of the story, it's a question. Yeah. So, uh, the aforementioned Rabbi Lel um, has a sefer called Tamim Tia in Shem Kecha. It's actually um, sitting right in front of me right now, the sefer. Okay, Tamim Tia was translated to English. Yeah. Jack is a sefer, he has the following story. With the Gabadar, Martin Balkilis Yaakov. Rav Hillel was a young Rav, um, probably in his early 30s. A couple, an engaged couple, came to him. They were a week away from being married. And they came to him and said, great consternation. They had um, gone to see, for whatever reason, clear, and one of these Mikubalim, and you were Kodesh. But looked at them and either read their palms or did something else and told them that they are not for each other. Their zivug was not ordained in Shemayim, and they should immediately break the engagement. Ravilov hears this, and he says, he panics, says, well, you know, I can't task in this Shaila to go up to Lishkat Sagladis. Gets into a cab, takes them to Nebrak, to Maran Hastipler. Stipler was someone who was ready to cite Yamov, 
didn't hear perfectly well, um, and it was known rarely to ever lose his temper. Um, he had a glass wall in his room, so his children and mishpacha can keep an eye on him. This couple goes in with Rav Hillel. With 30 seconds, the entire mishpacha heard the stipend screaming, which is highly unusual for him. And the stipend told them, Chassashon, to listen to this. They should immediately go back and prepare for the wedding. And he promises them all the bucks in the world, um, etc. Tachav, and of course, the end of the story, you can imagine that everything worked out well. So I'm not going to pass in a shiloh with this young lady. Not my place, and I'm not her rav. She should consult her rav. But to take a life-changing step on the basis of someone who, I don't know what it is, um, <clears throat> but someone who is taken upon herself to make this kind of sock, in my opinion, is dubious. But she should admit that Lakewood is a year. Plenty of let her ask a Okay. <clears throat> so let's move forward. Um, what do you? What about the Geiril Hagra? There are many people who use the Geiril Hagra for just about everything. Okay. Um, I'm not sure there are many people who use it for everything, so let's talk about Kofani Tess. What you refer to of David, what you're referring to, is a time-honored mechanism which actually preceded the Gra. Um, there is uh, some evidence that it was in Kisver B'chaim Vital um, and other of the um, Kabole, um from the Spanish side of the coin. Um, be as it may, it has become to be identified with the Goyen. I think, are, I think the or, I think the the reason it's called the Geirah Lagra, in my, in my ignorant opinion, is the Goyen had a particular way of doing it. The Geirah was done many years before that, but he had a particular mechanism how to go about it. Um, okay, um, if your if your readership is interested, Rabbi Landau in the the Goyen Vilna second Madura only because it was omitted from the first time at a chapter on the Geirah I'll tell your your listenership very quickly. That there are stories, of course, that um, the Gedeleid Chaim did a Gairel Hagra, and uh, other Gedeleid Menlita did uh, Gairel Hagras. The most interesting uh, one is supposedly, allegedly, when Ravarin Kutler was deciding in the course of uh, the throes of the terrible, terrible winning um, of the Muhammad in 1940, where to go, whether to go to Israel or to America. Allegedly, he did a Gairel Hagra. And it fell out on the following Pusik, Leich, Meisha Hamid Bara, and therefore he decided this was a reference to Meisha Feinstein, and he went to America instead of going to Israel, which of course has changed the course of history. Um, as someone with close ties to Lakewood, I don't have to be Marachamet. You understand what I'm saying. This story is, I think, apocryphal. I tried to investigate it within the Mishpacha. They, have not, they had not heard it. Be that it is may, it is Mikubal. It is true that Gedal Yisrael have employed technique. And the question is, with Chaira, uh, for instance, give an example, Rabbi Levine, um, in 1948, a Shaira, a convoy of, of Israeli soldiers right after the beginning of Kumha Medina were ambushed, killed, and it took a while till they were able to get their uh, Gufais back, they were interred in a mass grave. To make a long story short, Rabari Levine, and this is documented, um, it's public record, used Gaira Lagra to identify which remains 
Well, which Neherag? In a, in a public ceremony, and it's all documented, as I said. So Yudal Yisrael um, have used this technique. The problem with this is, in Kuf Ayin Tesh, the Mechaber begins. You're not allowed to. Hey, sorry? You're not allowed to, Mechaber says. Ein Shailam so It's not so simple. Kuf Ayin Tesh, as you know, David, is a very complicated simon because it deals with a lot of ambiguous sugis. You know, unlike Taruvis, which is um, straight forward until you get to the second level. Here, we're dealing with abstruse concepts. So I'll give you an example, since you mentioned I mean, early just, just the early the Rav says it's Usser. And the Ramon Arachayim is mashma, that it's, it's Yaisa Taiv. It's not an Isagamar, by the way. Um, okay, but I don't, you don't need the Ramon Arachayim. Let's do the Ramon right here. The Ramon says, M'shem Shenemar, Tamim Tia Yemeshem Kecha. The Ramon seems to indicate that the aside of the Isser, even though there are eight Isurim, which are connected to the various forms of Nichush and Kishuf, here there's also an Isser Asei, which is Tamantiyah Meshem Kecha. However, if you go a little bit further down, the Ramah in Dalit says, Bayez Tinek Ve'isha the Mechabra says, Afal Pishay Nichush Yesh Simen, that's a complicated piece of Gemara, which I don't have time to go into now. But the Ramah says, And yes, I am the other. The Ramah seems to indicate that under certain, certain circumstances, it in fact is mutter. And the question is, the Ramah seems to be in place for himself. Here he says, following up on the Mechaber, you're not allowed to use a girl. So how can one use a Gairo? And later he says, under certain circumstances, so the answer to the Gairo explains Paiskim. Contemporary Paiskim is, and the reason why Yudel Yisrael, starting with the Goyen, um, did in fact allow it and use it is because, based on the second Ramah, the Saikli Pisukaya, which is a mimer three times a Shas, which is the uh, most famous one probably, is the one in uh, the Sugi of Kansa, or Kansa <coughs> where the, the Tinnik was asked for his uh, Pasuk, what he was learning that day. Psychli Pisukayach is the basis for the heter for Gerlagra. What does that mean? And the place can explain that because all Chachm is embedded in the Torah, by using the Sukkim, which, as you mentioned earlier, the going had a unique way of doing it, by using the Sukkim, the Torah, you are not straying into Isure of Michush or of Kshafim. You are using the secrets in the Torah to solve your question, and that is a form of unlocking Sistrei Torah. That's the Heter in a, in a nutshell. So uh, those who have used it, um, they have the ability to unlock Sistrei Torah. I'm somewhat dubious, to be frank, if every single person here um, that you mentioned, many people use it all the time, I'm dubious if it's something which should be used all the time. Even the Delia Dairis used in one-shot deals. Um, Baruch Bear used it, for instance, when he had to decide during World War I which way to send the yeshiva. Um, at the end of the day, they divided communists into two. Um, one was sent one way, or the other way. But whatever it was, it was used for life-altering decisions. It wasn't used whether, you know, you should buy this stock or which uh, subway line you should use that day.
So let me ask you, it's like Beimer time, something like high rattle. Like how do we, how, I mean, you're obviously a Lakewood Talmud. How do you, with a healthy dose of uh, Shulchan Aruch and, you know, Litvisha based upon, you know, uh, grounded in, 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 in Halacha and in, and in, and, and in, in, in Rishayinim, how do you look at something like Chai Ratel? Okay, so let's broaden that a little bit to all these type of Segulas. All, and let me make this crystal clear, um, uh, is at province Chas Shalom, and I think you'd agree from your perspective, to be Matul Daifi in any type of Minig Yisrael, um, whether it's called a Minig or a Segula. Almost everyone, of course, there are Minhage Ta'us, as you know, that's called Vahin and Dolacha, but come out every single uh, Segula, um, at least until recent years, that we all generally know about, has some occur somewhere. Yeah, but um, I just want to also point out that the Maril writes that Minig also makes ICS Gehenim. Okay, that's a requires an entire interview on its own. Um, but let's let's uh, let me try to answer your question, since obviously it is a good topic one. I like to tell Shaime uh, Lixi that this is the time of the year, which is the Gula season, starting with Shlis Lachala on Matzei uh, Pesach and through the Tzuas Rabbeinu Ashkelah on every Shabbos seven. These, uh, you know, the basically the period of Sfiras Aimer, and there must be something. Hidden there, every single segula bar a few has a mekayer explicated, starting obviously in Chazal, which is schoolers have a different category and order, and there are rules about that. We don't, we're not shamish in the refuyos in Talmud, and the refuyos in, in the segulas in Chazal have been filtered through the Rishonim and the Paiskim. The other ones, what we call the later segulas, generally someone chashuv has said this at some point of time. Um, Chai Reitel, a relatively recent one. Um, if you look in the back of the time in Hagen, he has a country's has segulais, probably 50 segulais, and he talks about many other things and what their nuclearists are. Um, the problem is not the existence of these segulais, um, because, as I mentioned, for instance, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, Chai Reitel. Look, um, this is something which is on Gedalia Hasidus. So no one is um, going to is going to sit down and argue with um, with the uh, you know Chashuvad Meirim who promulgated this, even though this is a relatively recent one. I'm not an expert in the Mechtar of the source of Segulis, but I can the earliest place I was able to find this was one of the uh, originator, sometime in the uh, late 19th century, sent a letter to the uh, Hanhala of, uh, of uh, the Keva Rajbi and said, I heard there is such a Segula. I'm sending you 100 Zlatis. I hope it works. If it doesn't work, okay. Um, and this has uh, become the Makar for... Right. But, but respectfully, Rabbi Gadisman, can I ask you a question? Something yeah. like Shlissel Chala, to uh-huh. me, is very different than Chayratel. Shlissel Chala is, is not so much a Segula, but it's like the Simonim of Rosh Hashanah by night. In other words, we leave the Chayrus of, of, of Pesach, 
And we think we're done with the concept of Geula of Cheres. So the concept of the Shlissel Chalas, we finished with the Matzah. So the first Shabbos afterwards, we say, you know what? Pesach is not the conclusion of our journey of Cheres, but it's the Mafteach. It's supposed to open the door to the search to Cheres. And through the Yemei of Sphira, our journey towards Kabbalah Satayra, a person is supposed to search through the Mem, the Mem Tes Yamim, it's Memches ways of, of, of the, of the avoidus of, of the Memches Dvarim Shatayra, Niknes Pem, it's, it's supposed to, the search for enlightenment towards our individual Kabbalah Satayra, the, Pesach wasn't the end, but it's the beginning. So it's opening a door. So it's sort of like the simon of Rosh Hashanah. To say that something, that Chayratel is a Segula, to me, it sounds like Darkei HaMoyri. It's exactly what the Shulchan Aruch is referring to. Okay. One is, some, uh, one is supposed to be Ma'oriu, uh, one is supposed to be Ma'oriu, um, and one is a potion. And explicated brilliantly. Um, the problem is that every single Segula um, has, by now... A pretty rich literature to back it up, whether uh, going back to its Mukair or, you know, retroactively. So, Shlisalchala, um, when I was growing up, and it was still kind of uh, relatively unknown, was understood, not in the beautiful Amkastika explanation you gave it, but it was understood as a, a Sikula for Parnassa, um, which is fine. Um, everybody needs Parnassa, including the two of us. So, we're looking always for those type of segulas, and that's a good thing. Um, it's based on, the first exponent of it was Rapinchus Mikaritz, when the Cheshuvah told me the Abesht, and then, as you probably know, it was probably made in the first one by the Avi Yisrael after up. Nope. Who are we to argue with that? Um, and all the wonderful things that you said about the Cheris, the Pesach, and all that um, may be true. Um, maybe the Makarovitz, uh, but as you indicated, every Segula is a fine line between its use, and here's the problem, if I may say. Like everything else in our world, it just depends on how you apply what you've learned. Meaning, we have a unpleasant um, habit in the entire world on certain segments of the terror world, of taking Tfalim and making them to the Iker. Um, there are two problems with that. First of all, you elevate the Tuffle to the Iker, and then, by definition, the Iker gets lost. If the traditional use of Shusachawa was Segulus for Parnassa, there are many Segulus of Parnassa, but there are, I give three um, fantastic Segulus of Parnassa, I promise you are guaranteed to work. I can't tell you how, and I can't tell you what. I'll tell you one segula which comes directly from the Rabbi Shlomo to the Navi Malachi. It's called the Bechanuni Nami Zeis, Teyur Maestris, which has been translated into giving tzedakah, and I'm sure you know this personally, and your business activities are going to be matzliach. A lot more baduk umenusa than shlesel um, you want another Sigulus of Parnassa? Open up the Sefer Echinuch to Mitzvah Tuf Lamed, which is the Mitzvah of Berchus HaMazayim, and see how he beautifully um, explicates the importance of this Mitzvah, which has been further sharpened later by G'day Le'elam, to tell you to bench slowly with Kavana, carefully, surefire, 
Segula for Parnassa. Those are the things that is obviously the most biggest surefire Segula for Parnassa is to say the bracha of Baruch Oenu every single day, three times a day, with Kavana. The point is... A fourth one, so the third one is Tzfilah, and the fourth one, let's just mention, tongue-in-cheek, is to actually work. Um, you know, that's, that goes into the big category of people would like easy way outs, but they don't want to do the hard things. As you say, working, you know, or getting yourself a, a means to a parnasa is actually, because of the hate of Anubarishain, a pivotal thing. People don't want to do that. Much easier to take a key um, and uh, take it into your chawa, which a uh, mutual friend of ours, mentioned to me yesterday, um, is a segula for Parnassa, perhaps, because he knows the story of someone who baked their key into a chawa, and they were locked out of their house, and it was a segula for the locksmith to have to drill their lock open. I am not in any way chash for showing, impugning any minigisrol, including social chawa. Full disclosure, I don't... Um, I'm not my name, my Rebetzin from doing it too. Why not? So how do you how do you d- divine between uh, Schlissel Chala and the girl who called who emailed in saying that the guy said it's his Zivig Mishesh Yishimibri? Okay. How do you decide? Why would the... Excellent the, question. How, First of all, w- w- excellent question. First of all, you need someone who knows Kufayin Tesh, a very complicated simon, goes to the tour in the Shulchan Aruch, number one. But this is what I would call a fifth Shulchan Aruch. There's so much terrorists out there. There are so many desperate people with needs for Yeshua's and all the major categories that it's very easy to prey on people. Um, this young girl from Lakewood, I don't know the statistics, that's the subject, I'm sure, of another one of your shows, but there are, unfortunately, hundreds and thousands of young ladies looking for Shaduchim under difficult circumstances. So they are obviously pray to people who are offering um, easy fixes. The fixes that the Deli Yisrael have offered over the centuries, the traditional ones, are hard. You have to daven. And you have to do the things, digduk for mitzvahs, for men, increasing for men and women, increasing, above all, the kaya These things are under the rubric of no pain, no gain. Hard things to do. Much simpler to call 1-800-SEGULA, give them your credit card for 18 bucks and up, and have them daven for you. A new phenomenon has arisen in the last uh, 10 years, I would say. Outsourcing all, not just mitzvah shibagufai, what I'm talking about, mitzvah shibalev, it's really the ultimate mitzvah shibalev. Is it possible to outsource a tefillah to somebody else? Show me one example anywhere in Chazal or any reputable source of this is possible. Of course, you can go to uh, Bracha, um, to another Gadol, which is already um, all over Chazal and all throughout Jewish history. Cannot outsource to Kayach And that remains number one school. This young lady has fallen into a trap which is really reprehensible. Um, you want to you wanna read about it, as I said, read Rabbi Hillel's sharp attack against so, so let me extend this. Let me extend. The girl did not ask me this, but how would you respond if the girl was asked to in an ad? And I haven't, I haven't read the papers, but I'm sure there is such an ad that says, "Do you need a shidduch? Send hundred and eighty dollars for chayratel, 
and there's some girl someplace who's earning $360 a week and comes home with and says, I'm going to give 50% of my paycheck to Chai Rattel because I need a Shadach. Is she doing the right or the wrong thing? I think that's a question which in itself was fun. It was puzzled to me. Um, if you're asking me would I allow one of my daughters to do that, the answer is no. That's fine. Um, that's, would that's... I encourage them to give tzedakah to a reputable place and to be marba in Tila and chesed and other things that are mitzvahs that you say yes. Um, I can't speak to a specific case because I don't know the problem, but I think we both agree it sounds dubious. <laughs> Let me just mention one more thing about the Pesachatil, which I think is very important people don't realize. Let's talk about the sad situation of people who are not well. Kailim, which at the end of the day is the single biggest um the people seeking the choice, understandably enough. So Chazal deal with this quite explicitly in Babasra Kustazayinam and Aleph. Gemara says, a well-known Gemara, Darsha Pinchas Parchama, Kol Sheyeshle Chayla B'Teich Beisai, Yelech Eit L'Chacham, Yivakesh Olav Rachmim. You go to a Chacham, and he is supposed to be the spawl for you, and the Pasuk cites the Pasuk, Gemara cites the Pasuk initially. And an addendum to this Gemara, Rabbeinu Baal Nimuki Yosef adds, and this is reasonably well known, uh, he adds, Nunzebet Sarfas, there's a minig in France, which is the heart of the Yishev Baliyatoisvays, Kol Nish Yeshle Choyle, anybody who Rachman has a Choyle in his home, Mevakesh Pnei Harav HaToisei Yeshiva, he asks a bracha from the Rav who is Toisei Yeshiva, that he should give him a bracha. Um, this is a reasonably well-known Nebuki Yisif. The Pashat Tzad is that the Kayach HaTayra of someone who is Machzat Tayra and at the same time Laimade Tayra, Taisis Yeshiva, has the ability to be Payel Yeshua is from the voice of this person. Um, however, not so well-known is a Me'iri, Nadat Gemara. And the Me'iri says something startling. The Me'iri says, at first, it should always be batuach. If a tefillah is done properly, it can be mevato as a gezera. Now listen to the language here. Someone who has an unfortunate circumstance. Or he is someone sick. in his home. He has unmarried children. Yelech etol chacham. And now listen to the next phrase. The Yilmoid heimenu darke hatfilois yivakesh rachamim. You should go to a chacham who will teach you darke hatfilois, and he should be yivakesh rachamim. And here he has an entirely different shot than the other Rishayim in this member of the Gemara. What the Miri says is, you go to the Chacham, not that he should be misfollow for you, because even though he's a much great, greater tzaddik, at the end of the day, it's your schusim that are going to be determined for Shemayim. But that you should learn for yourself. Amazing, Miri. You should astonishing learn Astonishing, Miri, that, yeah. It's astonishing. What does this mean, David, since you're, you're faster than the audience? So give me a second to explain. Um, what this means is, what the Miri is telling you is that, again, no pain, no gain. You can't just go to a, a chacham and assume he's going to take care of you. You're going there to learn how to daven. 
and I've seen this myself with Gedele Yisrael Bivmanenu Anu. Whenever um, you go to Rav Steinman or to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, um, Shlita, um, you ask them for something, if you have some shaykhs to them, they're always careful to ask for something back. I was at a time a little while ago, and I came with a list of Rachmalos on Chaylum, Michael and otherwise, and he said, um, okay, brachos, but I want you to organize a shir in Hilchashmita, um, meaning it's not free. And I've seen this quite a few times over the years, and I was once explained to Rav and the answer, the reason for this is because the kayach of tefillah that somebody can be prayerly for you is different, according to the Nuki Yasef, if you have a Rav Talmud relationship. Therefore, Bekitzer, if you do something and you've accepted to do something good, then he's misfollowed for you as your Rebbe. You just walk in off the street and stand in line, of course, uh, at that level, they can be prayerly but it's a different construct. Or, or alternatively, according to the Meiri, it's because you've earned it. You've you've actually changed. You've, and you've learned become, it and earned it. Correct. You've earned it. So, <clears throat> it, it, let me just conclude. I would just like to say that another pshat in that Gemara is possibly the Maral says a beautiful pshat in Avis. He says, He says that um, by every everybody in the world, he says desire and what you wish for and what you get there's a big step we all know we love we we desire for so many things and what we actually get that's the ocean of all our effort he says there's only by one where desire and effort are the same and that is by the rabbinical and by god what he desires what he wishes right what he desires and what he wishes are one so he says that the 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 chacham the tzaddik his rutzin and kaviyachals, he's always battle rutzainel of naritzainacherim. He's always, his rutzin is always battle to the rutzin of the rabbinic shalom. His desire is the rutzin of kaviyachal. So he says, where those two rutzainis meet, over there there is no chasm, there is no difference. And over there, the, it could be niskayim. So it's not like the Miri second shot, but it's still. But I'd like to go back to, <clears throat> tell me if I could sum up, because I would like to conclude with what you're saying. Tell me if I'm grasping the gravamen of what you're saying. <clears throat> the Shulchan Aruch in Kofayin Tess, it would seem that it's it's very tenuous as to whether all these schoolers, Kabbalists, whether they're even Mutter Meir And in some situations, they're clearly... They, they they violate the concept of Tamim Tia and Hashem and they could be either an Issa Darais or an Issa Drabanan, depending on the case. In certain other cases, they may be Mutta. But certainly, even if they're Mutta, for the most part, they're, they're schoolers. They're sort of like get-out-of-jail-free cards, and they're, they're sort of like, they're easy way outs. But the true way in everything is through Avaida, it's through Tefillah, it's through Taira, it's through Maisa Mitzvahs. These are, these are, I hate to use the word, but they're sort of a little bit like gimmicks. And you're saying that the real way is through Maisa Mitzvahs and Tefillah. And if somebody has a way, a Shidduch, a trick of this, you know, there may be some trick, but usually in life tricks don't work. And the way to do it is through Maisa Mitzvahs and Tzedakah and Tefillah and to go through the, the tried and proven paths and don't believe that somebody who flashes a Makobo card is going gonna, is gonna, to, you know, it's like buying a lottery ticket. Very few people earn a living by buying lottery tickets. Is, is that sort of a fair way to sort of grasp what you're saying? Um, I would say that's a cogent uh, summary. Obviously, not all schoolers stray into 
possibly but if your point is that the Minusa and Baduk ways that Chazal and entire tell us um, are the ways to achieve better things in your life, those are what need to take precedence. All these other things are there are addendums, some of them are okay, some of them are clearly not okay, and some of them are in a gray area, but whatever they are, they should be viewed as secondary, they should be viewed as things which are tussel to the ikker. Um, ask a child if you, uh, if you need to, and be very careful with people who are looking to make money off you. Whenever, here's my uh, tried and true rule, when there's a credit card picture on the bottom of the page, turn the page. Well, that's the advice from, thank you, that's the wise advice of Rav Shloyme Gadisman, the Rav of the Kehillah of Shari Tfila, the editor of the very famous Torah journal Yeshurun, and I think that's quite a good answer to Rachi from Lakewood. We had many more questioners, but I thought hers was the most poignant question. Thank you very much for joining us, Rabbi Gadisman. Thank you. So this is really a very sensitive topic because many people do believe in schoolists and Kabbalah and the Shulchan Aruch is sort of opaque on it. So let me proffer my opinion on this really very sensitive matter. And I'd like to amplify one point that Rabbi Gottesman made that I agree with regardless of whether, you know, and I think most people would agree with regardless of whether we follow those who, who do follow Mukabalam or don't. And that is as follows. Listen to the following email I got. Um, a, a request for an answer from Rabbi Gottesman. I didn't get a chance to read all the questions. I have cancer. I consistently need blood transfusions. My insurance coverage does not cover all of it, and I am constantly looking around for money to cover. I went to a Makubal and asked for a bracha. He said if I give him $10,000, he will daven for me that I will be cured. I don't have the money. Should I raise it? So let me amplify what Rabbi Gottesman spoke about. And he spoke about Makubalim who come with brachas that come with a credit card attached to the bracha. And whereas I have, I don't want to proffer opinion about the entire matter, let me give you a few thoughts and tell me whether you agree with me or not. <coughs> what is an Adam Gadol by Klal Yisrael? What is a great person? So who is the first Gadol once we become a nation? Is Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, Moshe Reh Mehemna. What do we know? What, is the, what do we know about Moshe the person before he becomes a Navi, a prophet? What do we know about him as an individual? What causes the Rabbeinu Shalom? What causes him to choose Moshe? There are only nine psukim in the Torah that speak about Moshe before he becomes, you know, before he becomes a prophet. And what does it say? It says, It was in those days, those very sad, bitter days, under the whip of Para in slavery. Vayigdal Moshe. The ch- he became he became thirteen years old. He went among his brothers. He saw their suffering. He saw a Mitzri smite a Jew. Now here's what's interesting. It starts off and it says he went out among his brothers and he saw their suffering. Now remember, in those days, if you were an Egyptian prince and there was a fly in your wine, what did you do to the baker or to the vintner? You cut his head off. This is 
an Egyptian master baker or vintor, you cut the head off. The royalty, as right, they, they looked at the commoner as a speck of lint, of dirt. As a slave, did not even register as a human being. But what does he say about these slaves? He saw their pain. He saw their suffering. And what does he do? He kills the oppressor. He puts his life at risk because he sees an oppressor, an evil, somebody taking advantage of another person. He puts his life at risk to, to appease somebody else's suffering, to ameliorate somebody else's suffering. This is the first view we see of Maisha of somebody who would bring the Torah, who would bring the Decalogue, the Sarasadibras, to the entire world, who would bring morality to the universe. And what does it say on the second day? And he sees two people quarreling, two Jews quarreling, and he says, evil one, to the one who's striking the other, why are you striking your brother? And what is it adding here? You would think maybe the first Pasuk is saying, you know, it's nationalistic pride. It's an Egyptian striking a Jew. He's taking sides. But two Jews, okay, it's not nationalism. Everybody knows about nationalism when it's the United States against Iran. You know, everybody winds up. England against the Falkland Islands. The Mets against the... Everybody knows that. But two people of the same... No. He saw somebody oppressing another human being, two Jews, and he said the same thing. Russia, evil one, why are you striking your brother? This is the first glimpse we have of Maisha. And what does the Medrash say on Vayarbis of Lysam? He saw their suffering. The Medrash says like this, he would walk among them, and he would see them carrying huge, you know, heavy bags of cement. And he would try to help them, and he would cry, and he would say, Oh, I see your pain. I see how you're worn down, how you're broken. This is the Medrash Rabbah, the Medrash in Shmais, Shmais Rabbah Chavzayin, um, 127. He says, he would see their suffering, and he said, I suffer with you. He says, when they died from their struggling, from their being beaten, he says, I wish I could die in your place. So you know what I say? This is what I say to Yassi, who says, should I give this, quote-unquote, Makobal the $10,000 that he needs for the blood transfusions? I say, if it was Moshe, he would have said, let me give my blood for you. You need blood transfusions? No, I don't want $10,000 from you. How can I come to Sloan Kettering on Sunday, take some of my blood for your blood transfusion? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu would have said. That is the concept of what is a great person. Let me share with you a story of the Chafetz Chaim that Rabbi Krohn brings in his Sefer. <coughs> he says, a man came, um, there was a man, he lived in Poland, and he had a family, he had seven children, and when he was 30, he, he got very sick with a mysterious illness. So he went to Vienna, and all the doctors in Vienna couldn't cure him. And they said, we give you six months to live. And he got sicker and sicker and he was going to leave over seven orphans. So he went home, and he, his wife, you know, the whole, they prayed, and they davened, and his wife came to him. She said, you know, there's a very holy Jew, the Chafetz Chaim. He lives far away in Raden. Go, plead with him, cry to him. Maybe he could help you. So this man took his last vestiges of energy, and he rented a little wagon, 
and he traveled for a week all the way to Raden. And he came to the abode, the holy little abode, the little shack that the Chafetz Chaim came into. And Chafetz Chaim then was in his 40s, but he was already famous as very pious and holy. And he knocked on his door, and he was studying, and he told the Chafetz Chaim his story. And the Chafetz Chaim sat there, wrapped in his talus, listening to this man say, I will leave seven orphans. Holy Chafetz Chaim, please help me. And he wept. And the Chafetz Chaim wiped the tear from his eye, and he said, Go home. I'll pray for you. I have one request. Don't tell anybody that you came to me and that I helped you. So the man went home, and miraculously, he started getting better. And three weeks later, he got up and he started walking around, and it was considered a miracle. Well, around 30 years later, or 35 years later, he got sick again with the same illness. I'm sorry, his sister came down with the very same illness. So it seems it was some family illness. So his sister comes into him, and she says, I remember you had this illness many decades ago, and you were miraculously cured. What happened? Tell me. And he remembered his vow to the Chafetz Chaim. And he said, I can't. I can't tell you. I promised. But you know how sisters could be in family. She, she got one sister to call, and then the other, and then the brother, and then she had the rabbi call, and then his wife yelled at him. Finally, after a few weeks of everybody, and his sister was rapidly declining, he said, I went to the Chafetz Chaim in Raden, the Holy Chafetz Chaim, and he prayed for me, and he, I made a vow, and I got better. Well, something very strange happened. A few weeks later, the illness that had some 35 years before haunted this man came back, and he again got seriously ill and went into a serious state of decline. But this time he wasn't worried. He knew what he would do. He would go back to Raden. So, this time, he was already a well-to-do man. He had a big business. <clears throat> he rented a wagon, and he went back to Raden. And now, it's many years later, the Chafetz Chaim was in his late 80s, hunched over, and he knocks on the door, and he comes into the same little shack, and he sees the same holy man, and he says to the Chafetz Chaim, do you remember me? I was here 35 years ago, and I was so sick. Well, I'm sick again. Could, could you do that thing again, whatever you did? And the Chavetz Chaim looks at him and so sad, and he says, You know, you came to me, it was a long time ago, and I was a younger man, and I was very moved. So I fasted for 40 days for you. I didn't eat. And every day I prayed for you. He said, Now I'm an old man. I have no more strength to fast for 40 days for you. I'm sorry. I can't help you anymore. This is what a great person is. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask, what can you give me? It was, what can I do for you? Just like Moshe. So let me finish with, a number, with another story. Okay? It says like this. It says that Moshe, when he came down from the mountain, it says, Umoshe layada ki karan arpanav. When he came down from Harsinai, his, his face shone. And everybody was afraid. It was like a beacons of light. 
In fact, because of that light, that's where the famous Michelangelo painting is, where you know it shows Maisha with horns, because Karan Arpana, which means the light emanated and shone from his face, was mistranslated in the first King James Bible as Moshe had horns on his head by an ignorant translator. So the Medrash asks, where, what does it mean? Why was his face glistening? Why was it shining? Why was light emanating from him? So it says, the Medrash says, the al and in Kisisa in Remes Tavzayin says, Nishtayr Bekolmus Kima. There was little ink when he wrote the Torah, there was a little ink left over. Vehevirai al And he put it on his forehead. Umisham Nasa Karnehait. And that ink shone, caused the light to shine from his face. So the Balaturim asked the question, you know, and basically, you know, when you paint your house, so you tell the painter, I need three cans of white, I need one of green, one of blue, depending on your wife's taste, maybe one of red, yellow. And when he's finished, there's a half a can of this left, there's one of this, a third of a can. Now when Rabbeinu when God says, write to Tyra, he knows the exact amount of ink that's needed. So what does it mean that there was ink left in the pen, in the feather that Maisha wrote to Tyra with? So there's different explanations. But I heard a fascinating explanation. It says that when Moshe wrote the Torah, originally, it was supposed his name was supposed to be in Kisi in uh, Parshas Tetzaveh. But what happened after the Jews were chaita with the Egel? What happened? Rabbi Shalom said to Moshe, "Achalim in in Kisi Salamid Beizud." says to Moshe, "They sinned." Let me destroy them, and I'll make you, Maisha, to a Gadol and to a great nation. And what does Maisha respond? Right? Maisha responds, no. Tisa uh, chatasam, do not destroy them. Vim ayin, and if your own agree, mecheni nami erase me from the Taira. If you want to destroy them and make me the new nation, no, destroy, take me out of the Taira that you have written. So the Mepharshim say, where was it in the sky and erased me from the Tyra? Moshe's name was taken out of the whole Parshish Tetzaveh. Comes out that all the times that Moshe's name was supposed to be in Parshish Tetzaveh, all that ink was left in the Kolmos. And what did Moshe do with that ink? He put it on his forehead. So I ask you, what does that mean? He had leftover ink and he put it on his forehead. What is that like? You know, you have kids when you leave them at home and 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 they have paint, what do they do with the paint? They run around the house and they smear the paint on the walls. Or they'll take and they'll smear it on the floor, on the walls, on paper. He had leftover ink because he said, and he put it on his forehead. Like, it seems so childish. So I heard a beautiful pshat from my son-in-law, Rabbi Yadar Goldvicht. He said an amazing pshat. He said that this ink represented, Maisha said, you want to destroy the Jews and make me into a big nation? No, 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 no. Destroy me first. The job of the leader is to say, I'm willing to die first. My job is to take care of my people. The captain dies first. So, Moshe was so proud. Moshe's shining moment was to be a caretaker. His proudest moment was when he was able to say, I am willing, I'm willing to take the bullet 
for other people. I put my existence secondary to my charges, though who I am responsible for. And you know why he put the ink on his forehead? Because Maisha is the first religious leader of, of the whole world, of, of all religions. And what is he setting an example? He's setting a, an example for all G'daylem, for all future Dairis. And he says, you know what you should be misspoiled with? He put it on his forehead. He said, your proudest moment should be when you say, rather than when Kav says, you, when you say, your proudest moment is when you say, I want to take the bullet on behalf of my charges. That is my proudest moment. My shining moment is when I give, when I well, not when I accept, but when I give, when I give of myself, when I'm willing to sacrifice of myself. And it's true. Most people who, who give of themselves, who are able to do tivis, actually recognize that indeed that is their, you know, those are their best moments. I'll tell you a story I heard. The Haran Stipe, the great Haran Stipe, <coughs> was once, there was a certain almana he used to go to, and he used to fear a tish there every Shabbos. And he used to eat a little bit, and the chassidim would come, and they would eat shrayim, like the derech chassidim. And she made a chalant, and he used to usually eat a little and give it out. One time he ate the chalant. And to his surprise, everybody's surprised, he, he didn't give it to chassidim. He said, bring me more. And he kept eating and eating. He ate an entire bowl that was supposed to be for 20 people or 15 people, and they couldn't believe it. Now, there was one chassid, a real rabid chassid. He said, I must have a little. So he went into the kitchen. There was a drop left in the pot. And he ate a little bit, and he almost fainted. It tasted so bad. What happened? Instead of putting in oil, she had put in some type of a cleaning liquid. She had mixed up two bottles. And he did not want to humiliate this woman. So he got sick eating some type of a spoiled food. Rather than, he took it on himself, rather than humiliate another person. It was That is a gadol. And what does the Gemara say in Bab Mitzayah? Gadol ikri katan. I want to conclude one more time by saying this week we have a contest. If you, if you send us an email to info at headlinesbook.com and you tell us which station you are listening on, either... Uh, one we're carried right now, we're in four countries, on four different stations, on four different networks. We will have three winners, and each winner will win a $100 gift certificate to their local farm store. So if you say, are you listening on WMCA? Are you listening in Edison? Are you listening on the Nachum Siegel Network? Are you listening in Israel? We're carried by an Israeli station. You send us info at headlinesbook. What was it? It was headlines book.com uh, yeah and you will uh, you will win a hundred dollar gift the top three we will put it in a barrel three people will win uh, that certificate we will be having next week's Rabbi Ethan Feiner of the Weichel we will be having Rabbi Yair Hoffman and then we will have Rabbi uh, the Dain of Baltimore we'll be speaking about the kosher switch Rabbi Moshe Heinemann thank you for listening to us here on Headlines Radio <laughs>